Um, okay. So now I qualify. I definitely am qualified to be here. I'm Lillian, compulsive overeater. And it's frightening to think how many years ago I first came into a meeting. I think like 50. But um, there's no newcomers. Newcomers? Okay, because then I do more about how I got here, and you all know how we got here, I mean, you know. Um, but anyway, so I was like chubby from birth. I was never thin, I never, or slim. I went less than now, more, but, um, so I never had a shock or an adjustment, like so many friends of mine who were tiny size eights, and I feel them, because how could you look at pictures of yourself that thin and be like, get, you know? Um, I never had an experience. And my mother, my greatest accomplishment as a child when I was like two or three, and I grew up in the Bronx, and in the neighborhood, you know, there's a stoop, and everyone comes out with the babies, and the mothers would say, oh, this kid, she's such a picky eater, she won't eat anything. And my mother would say, oh, look at Lily, she'll eat everything. And then she would just shove food in my mouth, and, and so I said, well, the best thing I could do is clean the place need everything and it took a very long time to get past that um, I'm not totally past the clean plate thing but I just make sure what I put on my plate is what I should eat you know um, at any rate so I did a lot of the diets and all that and when I was 10 the school nurse in New York I had really bit back pains and she gave me this very healthy diet of um, you know, no protein, fruits, vegetables, very healthy. And my mother said, oh, thank you, it's wonderful. Yeah, but when you, it was like her feeling about Judaism. When you're home, it doesn't count. If you're out, you can have the shrimp and pork, but you don't bring it in the house. It was like, you eat anything, if you're going somewhere, it doesn't count. And so I went along with that. <laughs> Why not, you know? I mean, for, for a long time. I have to stop myself from doing shtick, and I'm very sorry. I, you get into that sometimes, and it's not why we're here, and I had to turn this all over. God's will, experience, strength, and hope. Because, you know, you tend to think, I'm going to say this or that, and I have to stop. Because then I start thinking I'm in control, which now I'm, I'm truly not. And I always have a great fear when people say, well, you know, just turn it over. And I say, you what? Like the guy on the roof waiting for God to come. He says, I sent you a helicopter. I sent you a boat. What do you want? You know? I mean, I have a fear of not having done everything we possibly can in whatever situation. And then finally you're out. You're tapped out. You have nowhere else to go. Some people get to that point sooner than I do, you know, when you're up against the rock. And so you have to turn to God and the higher power, which I had no problem believing in. I've never had a problem believing in God because I cannot believe that we are it. It's in one of the books, aimless, in a cipher, aimlessly rushing to nowhere. There has to be something better than this. I mean, there has to be somebody more over us, kind of, you know. Um, and if we talk to him or she... He'll talk back to us. At any rate, so growing up in New York, I would go on different diets because, and I thought I was really fat until my ex-husband found a picture from my Sweet 16 and blew it up into a poster. I thought I wasn't so fat. I mean, I wasn't skinny, but I was like normal. All these years, I had this illusion of fat because I had thin friends, and there was a year when everyone wore like turquoise pedal pushers, capris, tight. So, of course, I did too. I shouldn't have. And so, so you remember all these moments thinking this. It makes you crazy. And then growing up, you know, I would go on the Cosmo diet or different diets. And, and they all worked. They were all wonderful. The minute there was temptation in my face, it was over. I have to have the cake. It's a birthday. I came. So, of course, I have to have it. And then it was done. And I'm learning more and more about our compulsive natures that later on, after I came to the program, I met somebody out here when I moved to L.A., 
um, in the kitchen, naturally, at a party. And, you know, you get into the conversation, oh, this looks so good. So I got to this wonderful Sunday afternoon meeting in Westwood, and um, I got there, and I met people. And it was just like, A, a social club, and B, I was in a room with a lot of people, the sizes. You know, I'm in my world, it was so used to working with, it was kind of thin, a normal size, and I was kind of the bigger one. Um, my top weight was that I weighed is two and a quarter, and I'm down maybe 65 to 55 in that neighborhood, depending on a given moment and how good I am. But, um, but I'm down there, and I don't binge, and I don't dwell on food all day, and it's got a place in my life. What's really exciting for me is I'm going on trips or something, and I realize we're planning the food and where we're eating, not based on like what I want to eat. It's based on geography. It's based on where we're going to be after. What do the other people want to have? That's very exciting for me, you know, that it isn't all about the food. And that's when I'll realize that it's legit, that it's really inside me. That it took a long time to take hold. But don't let the 50 years scare you because I was here. I was here for six months. I lost a bunch of weight. And I went with a camera with friends. And we took pictures in a bikini and all that. It was as though I needed documentation because, like, I knew I was visiting. This wasn't going to last. And then I got there, went to Nashville for six months and gained 50 pounds. I was having so much fun, literally, like I had so much fun I couldn't stand it, and I had to screw it up somehow. So in the middle of the night to the Piggly Wiggly, unfortunately I had a car. It's like one of the only ones on the staff that had a car, so, you know, I could do anything. Um, and then I came back, head in shame, mortified at what I'd done. It took me a while. It took me a couple of years. I came back to meetings, and I'd come, and I'd get up, and I'd stay for a while, you know, fighting that, white-knuckling it. Never, I don't care... I don't remember my mindset where I didn't really read the book and do the, work the tools and do all those things on the program that are there because I really, you can't just take something away that's such a big part of your life and leave zero and leave a void, you know? That's why my belief is, and I have to say, anyone who speaks up here, it's our own personal experience, strength, and hope. Uh, you may hate it, you may love it, shut it off! <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, you know, none of us are the Bible. It's just what we can only tell you what we live through. And sooner or later, if you're new, you know, you come to enough meetings, you'll hear something that clicks. Because now I'll hear things from people say, you know, there's still, it's revelations still come. Oh, I never thought of it. I never looked at it that way or something. Um, anyway, so... I came back struggling on and off and doing it. And I know this is a program you can't dabble in. It's not like, wait, we'll just be good all week and go to crazy on the weekend. <laughs> um, I mean, you can't do that as a plan. So I went and I never did Weight Watchers. I knew Weight Watchers was just too normal food and I knew that wouldn't do it for me. But I did all the, I did the pregnant women urine shots and I did up to fast and I got so thin at one time with friends and for me, so thin. And I remember the first meal was like a whole broiled chicken breast and green, oh I couldn't possibly eat all that. You know, by three weeks later I was back to eating and I didn't put back more. But again, it had been like 50 pounds, that seems to be my number and put most of it back. So, we'll skip ahead, because those battles I'm sure we've all had, you know, it was July 3rd of 92 that I've been abstaining, so this July July was 26 years, because I finally came back, and telling this story, and I was divorced, and my kids, one was away at camp, or at school, the excuses were gone, because for those many years, I'm too busy, I can't go to meetings, it's like I was consumed with guilt, if I was at work, I should be home. I, said, huh? I know a lot of working mothers have that, no excuse, you know, and I've seen many people deal with it just fine. So it's not like it's a, an impossible thing. But at that stage in my life, I couldn't. I couldn't deal with one more thing to be guilty about. Where's mommy? She's at a meeting. So 
anyway, um, at that point, those excuses were gone. I had dinner with a friend the night before who said to me, you look like shit. What happened? You gained weight. What's going on? You're getting fat and everything. And this was a guy who was that tall and that <laughs> I said, thank you, honey. Thank you. Um, and the next day, I went to meet the Studio City afternoon meeting and got like the toughest, the thinnest lady, the collarbone. From, you know, I don't have a hard time thing with thinking of too thin, but collarbones around. I said, would you be my sponsor? Okay. <laughs> and it was like exactly God's will, exactly what I needed. And that night, I was at the Hollywood Bowl and, you know, the food, would you taste this and that? I brought my chicken breast. It's a big staple in my life. And carrots and celery. And I just prayed to God before, I, if I can make it through this, it's a perfect test for the first day. Um, I'm good, you know, and I did, and I'm good. So now I'm here, and uh, thank you, God. I got down over those few years, really working the tools. And I wish I could say what clicked finally. I just I hit my bottom, like I couldn't take it anymore. I mean, over the years of my family and all of that, they were not opposed. They were not difficult. They were like normal eaters. Um, and one time we had a birthday party for one of the kids. In the middle of the night, I wake up to the refrigerator. And there's my husband throwing the leftover birthday cake in the garbage disposal. And that's not what led to the divorce. But I looked at him and I said, I said, what are you doing? He said, we don't care about it. You're going to come sneaking in here eating it, eating going crazy. What for? And it's like I had shut my mouth. I mean, what do you say? I said, you're right. You know, when all else fails, you're right. So, that's just to give you an idea of the light. It wasn't any problems from anybody else, and it never is, really. So, I started really working, and it was on our grocery program, which was like the 10-year-olds in the New York Board of Education. Basically, protein, fruits, vegetables, a little carrots. You know, the details may change, but it's basically eating healthy. And I did that and drank tons of water. And I discovered that circumstances never make me overeat. Because I would have, like, I had lunch. I had to go to a lunch meeting. I had, like, a Diet Coke and iced tea and water. And there were all these things in front of me. And nobody notices that a word. Because we're in a land of really self-obsessed people, thank God. And everybody has their own diet and their own foods. And take this off and put this on and don't give me this. People don't give a shit what we're eating. And I would, oh, what would they think if I, they won't think at all. So once you realize, A, it doesn't matter what they think. If they have an issue, it's their problem, not ours. And ours is to take care of ourselves and to eat what we should, what's good for us, what's healthy, not like we're paragons of virtue. And my abstinence is firm. It's like I don't eat sugars and breads. There are things I don't eat, and I don't cross that line. But within the food plan, which is what we plan, and, you know, I would love to be perfect. Clearly, I eat carbs. I eat protein. I don't weigh and measure all the time. I do once in a while to, to remember, and occasionally I discover I could have a little bit more of cereal than I was having. Not the more exciting things. There aren't really many exciting foods. And I figured out that if you're the only excitement in my life is food, that's really a much bigger problem than that, you know? I mean, that is not what it's there for. It's like gas in your car. It's supposed to fill you up so that you can go on with your life. And that's like the biggest blessing that I don't have to dwell on food and think about it. And it's like maybe I have to give it enough time to plan, to plan what I'm eating. And all of our cliches, to fail to plan is to plan to fail. Well, the cliches because people keep saying it because they're true, you know. Um, if I let myself get into a situation, sometimes I can be very legitimately hungry. Because I didn't like take a power bar of fruits or whatever, whatever it is I know I can have when that's going to happen. I have very long days sometimes, and we're not totally in control of our lives, but we are with our food for the most part, you know? I mean, emergencies happen, God knows, but 
as a rule, if I'm going somewhere and, and I look at the day, among the things that I do to try and stay spiritually fit is I do some readings every morning. Today's was wonderful. Just little ones. And pray and turn it over and try to let it go. And life becomes so much easier and more comfortable. Partly it's growing older, I have to say that. Because you've got to calm down a little and be dead, you know. And this is me calm down right now. So you get it. I mean, you have to a little slower, not so much running around, not leaving time to breathe. And that the, just the instant gratification that we desperately wanted with food, it's like you want it with everything. Because that's who you are. It's instant gratification. I want now. It has to be now. Well, what a compliment. Someone of my sponsor maybe first said, try to get you to think and pro- what would happen if you don't have it now? Would it be as good tomorrow? What's the emergency? And make you really think about that and talk about it and see, oh, not to give you orders, you know? I mean, I think having a sponsor is so important. It's like a link from me to higher power and God. And, and they also are getting from the higher power what they say. I mean, I just went to the last week with my sponsor now because they had this situation. It wasn't even food related. And so we talked to her and she said, oh, well, maybe you should explain it and Oh, it doesn't matter how old you get. You don't know all the answers. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long you're on the program. There's still new stuff that we can learn and that somebody else is going to know better than we do. So, um, now I do that. I've done fourth step several times. I do ten steps, which is that personal immediate inventory. I don't usually title it. I just say, what am I going to do with this and this? And she'll say, well, did you write about it? Sometimes I'll preclude the conversation. I'll say, I'm going to call her. She'll say, did you write about it? So why don't I write about it first and then call and save those steps? And so I do because, whether I reach her or not, I've written it out. And it's, it's amazing how clear it becomes when you can take that beat and just step back a minute and just put it, put it out there and sort of get it out of yourself and I could read it to her and things become clear from your whole life that maybe you've been following patterns like if we have self-esteem issues like I didn't realize how much I had them they were so far back and I'd say to her you know I'm doing this with so and so I'm driving I'm taking them so why are you doing all that well I feel like I should and I realized that when I got into the real world out of the Bronx escaped was in the real world I always had such a feeling of not belonging there and not being good enough that I had to do anything to make up do the extra work do the extra whatever you know because because I escaped I'm there and at one point you realize yeah I'm here because I earned it and I belong here and let that go you know you do your own part you know but we all kind of have a territory around us that if people break through that territory you know and you have that feeling no I don't think so and it's become much more possible to say no to things and not feel like a bitch. Or even if you just say, no, fair is fair. Or call my sponsor to make sure. Because I was going somewhere recently and I was driving to Westlake Village with a couple of friends. And she said, well, maybe you could pick me up here and we go there. And in the course of the conversation, I said, sure. And I, you know, I had to see the easy way. Just say no. I said, yeah, well, that's not far. I said, wait a minute. I drove it. It is fine. And I had to call my sponsor. <laughs> and we can get analytical about the stupidest things. Trivia. And she said, well, why do you have to? I said, well, you know, it's the opposite direction. So I sent an email. The lovely thing about emails. And I said, you know, I realized it's really the opposite direction. So come to my house. I'll drive. She said, fine. You know, that was it. I thought, well, I'm to blame for asking. Why the hell not? You know? But it's those kind of simple things that you realize you're worthy. Not more than anyone else. But certainly as much as, and I have my territory and my place to be, and then food-wise, 
The other thing is when you're going out to dinner or you're going out to meals with people, I've found very often they're eating the healthiest things because they want to. Not because they're on a diet, they're on a plan, they can't eat this or that. I know people that don't care about food, that forget meals, and they're in this world also. I mean, I may envy them, but that's the truth. I said, well, why is your stomach growling? Oh, Jesus. Oh, damn, I didn't eat today. I mean, so that's something on that. And my children, thank you, God, genetically, I was concerned, you know. And the worst thing I wanted, I didn't want to make them compulsive and say, you can't touch this. You can't have sugar ever. You can't. So we did fine, and now they're both adults, 30s and 40-something, and we'll be eating, and if there's cake, and they'll have a piece or two. I said, oh, wasn't it good? Oh, it's delicious. I said, well, you're not, well, I had enough. <laughs> and I said, that means really my children. Thank you, God. It's like, where do they come from? But, and they're both thin. And I'm thrilled, you know. And my daughter and I, we went, when she was, oh, she doesn't live here, to a meeting of another program. And she found it was really interesting. She's come to meetings with me a couple of times and could appreciate it, you know, which is great. I mean, so the best thing for me is that they're good people and they do good deeds and they do. She was living in Italy for a long time and she did. She worked with Alzheimer's patients in Italian. I said, well, I mean, I said, but you can't tell your grandma because she'll say, what, you can help them and you can't come here and see me? And so I said, just don't, don't tell her. And that's the other thing, you know, it's so important, I know, to tell the I'm thinking. <laughs> My, my, my mind is so geared to three minutes, you know, that this is like a stretch. Like my throat starts getting dry. It's like you, you passed your time. Um, anyway, and I know I'm sort of in speaking light on the spiritual side, and I don't talk about that very much. And there are some things that I think are personal you keep to yourself, no matter what. But I just always had the concept of God, and I'll go to synagogue sometimes, not on a regular official basis, and, and we were here today, and that's lovely, but, um, but I like to observe, and there are some things that we started observing, the traditions and the rituals and all, because we grew up in one sense or another, and to know that we're doing it voluntarily, and I want my kids to know that all also, and, and they like it. But I'm never going to be like a hardcore. I just think it's what you meant you do more than what you cheat, talk is cheap, you know. Um, and I just feel like if you're good human beings and behaving in a way, that's the golden rule. Which you would have other people do unto you, you know. I mean, it's for everybody. So in doing that, it makes me feel comfortable. And it makes me feel like I do the best I can. And not to do any outside issue. I was up really late last night. And the great thing about compulsives is we don't have to let things go. You know? I was watching this stupid game until 1230, okay? Because I said, how can I go to sleep when these two people are sitting there and they're out there playing for eight hours? I can't. And it's like in work, sometimes compulsives are great because they get to something. I've got to finish it. I get it. And eventually, maybe a boss, somebody will say, you don't have to. You know, it's not worth the time. I never considered that option. It's not worth the time. It's not worth the effort. But this is. Thank you. Oh, okay. If you, should you choose to accept them, or they can self-destruct. Okay. And I'm sure you guys have lots of questions and things that you want to move on to. But, um, and things that I haven't thought about. Because you know when you speak, you always ask, oh, shit, this is so important. I forgot this, or I forgot that. But I wouldn't let myself take notes or anything, because then it's me saying, I'm rehearsing, I'm planning, what am I going to say? So I just want to go through the joys of coming to the program. We've all been out. You just sort of let go. You have a home. You have a place to go. 
as much or as little as you can and get involved to whatever degree you can. And somebody just saying, yeah, I, I don't have a concept. I don't feel like going. It isn't that. If I can, I will. If I'm busy, I've got the commitments. You do, you, know, you do. Always here to make life better, not worse. Not to make us, despite that, I'm on the board. So that's not always true. <laughs> but really, it's to not to give us stress and pressure and tension. It's to give us a place to deal with what happens in our lives so that you don't have to eat over it. Because face it, if we spent all these years of our lives eating over shit, and then suddenly they say, well, you can't do that anymore. I mean, not if you want to work this program. Well, you take that away, that's where all the tools come in. Whether it's, the, whether it's just to kill the time before you go take that bite, and when it says in the 12-step or call at any time, they mean it. It isn't, oh, I don't want to bother them. If you didn't want to be bothered, they wouldn't put in call any time. I stopped doing that, because I got a call at 7 a.m. from someone who like, wanted to chat. I said, no, <laughs> now it's after 8. But if you have an issue where you're going to eat or something, it's as much as AA, the same thing. Do whatever you can. doesn't mean the phone call you won't be able to eat after, but maybe it'll give you a pause. It'll give you a beat. It'll give you a chance to think some more. Because I realize from the time this, before this goes into your mouth, a lot goes on here in your head, in the thought, in the visual, in the feeling, in the wanting it. There's a lot of steps along the way. When I'm not abstaining, I remember those thoughts would be like there was nothing. There was boom, eat. There's a lot of steps that happen. And anywhere along those steps, you can think, you can stop, you can turn it, get a drink of water. Because, like, I work from home a lot now. And sometimes I'm bored, I'll go in the kitchen, and I'll see what's going on. I know what's going on. <laughs> but I don't feel, I know what it is now. I, I can skip the thing of the craving or they want to eat. Because I don't even think that that's it. I know that I don't want to make this call or write this letter. Whatever it is, I don't want to do something. And sometimes I'll take a nap for 20 minutes, which is such a bizarre thought. Or I'll read a book for a while. I'm still not doing what I should be, but at least there's so many things to do other than eating. You know? I mean, when you think about it, and, and I've been just very blessed in not having those cravings. The cravings that I had when I tried to do with sugar and all the things I can't eat one bite of because then I'm thinking about it and I want more and I want... Those are the foods you take off the list. You know, the wonderful thing with this program, someone's not handing you a diet and say, do that. Say, what foods can't you handle? What foods can't you have just one of or just a piece of? They make you crave. And just take them away. There's a million other foods in the world, you know? I, again, it's the willingness. Oh, but I love that. Oh, but I can't. Yes, you can. You know, it's like at first my sponsor, you have to have black coffee between meals, you know, no calories, black coffee. Can't drink coffee, black. No, don't drink coffee. It was simple, right? So I drink tea for a while, little by little I drifted over, so now I drink black coffee. I mean, it's amazing the things we hold on to. They're comfort foods. Oh, my mother, it was so good. My mother, thank you, God, was a terrible cook, which is really unfair, being a Jewish mother with all the bad stuff and terrible cook. So, so I had enough function, enough footsteps to follow in there. Um, but it just gets easier when you learn that, you know, you don't have to. And yes, you can say no. I mean, what a blessing. And the bottom line is, when you come into the program and you see all this stuff, there's a reason it's one day at a time. Because if you started thinking about, as we all do when we say, oh, so next week I'm going here, all right, so I'll eat that there. Then I'm going over there. Well, what am I going to have there? <sighs> Today. That's it. End of the day and the next day. Because otherwise it's overwhelming. And who the hell could say the rest? I know if someone said to me 25 years, you're not having chocolate, I would have left right then and there. I just today don't have it. Just today don't do it. And you know, it gets like, it does. So help me God. One day, the next, and the next. I mean, it just does get easier. And you discover those things are not so important. And you can live without them. 
Oh, what a blessing. What a want to wake up in the morning and not think, oh shit, did I really eat all that last night? What was I thinking? You know, and hating yourself because you ate because you didn't want to face something. So now you have two things to face that you ate and whatever it was that was bothering you to begin with. I mean, come on, you know? So at any rate, uh, I think I'm wrapping. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, now's the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are our own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asked questions, you need not identify yourself. And please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And we stay, okay, I'll restate the question. It's asked. Okay. Why am I on the board, truthfully? Because I had a sponsee that got on the board and then just had like a dispute with somebody and left. And I felt so guilty. I said, I'll do it. That's why. And then I took the job of the computer person, which was such a joke. I mean, I don't know who's here from the board, but I mean, that was totally a nightmare. But I got all the board. Everybody helped me through these couple of months. And we got someone else to do that. And so now I'm on the board as vice chair. And I'm happy to be. And by the way, I'm glad you asked. Thank you. We have two open positions, which we would love to welcome people to. The requirements and all of that are on the 12-stepper. You come to the next uh, delegates meeting, third Saturday in November, or come to the board meeting, which is normally Tuesday, but because election day, Wednesday, November 8th. And uh, you can discuss it there, and you'll be thrilled to have you. We will. Thank you. <laughs> um, how do you work with uh, your sponsees? Probably not as well as I should, and I'm probably not, the, because in my time, my sponsor doesn't, will call me back if I call them, but I have to initiate it. And so that's what I do. And if I see them at meetings, say, hey, I haven't heard from you this week. So we don't talk like daily or anything. We talk a lot. They're mostly sponsees who have been on the program for quite a while. And, and their weight is, is fine. They're not fighting with the weight. They're fighting with other issues and stuff, you know. So we talk when we need to, and I hear what they have to say, and I'll say, write about this, or write about that, and come back to me and talk and try and help them see other options when they're feeling like at a wall or stuck and they can't change it and they don't know what to do. We discuss that and all. I haven't had like a new person as a sponsee for a while. But then I think what I would do is just follow the rules as my sponsors over the years have. Calling the food in every day because it's so essential, I think, for the first month, couple, well, for the first month at least and then depending on how you're going, you know, um, to do all of that and to work the steps. First, I can't tell someone to read one page a day. I, you know, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Bust it! That's about it. Well, of course, the big book and the 12 and 12 of OA, more than AA. In the morning, I read the, uh, there's the Hazelton book that's, I think, for today and also the 24 hours a day book. I read those and do my prayers and meditation is not kind of my thing. I've tried it several times and it's fabulous. I highly recommend it to anybody. But for me, it's like a short step to sleep and... <laughs> But um, that's it. And then I'll read other literature and other books, but I don't have any particular OA literature that's like my Bible that, you know, I must read all the time. I still, I read a long time ago Beyond My Wildest Dreams, and that's what I want to read again because I, it's wonderful. Um, I have it. So that's it. And then other readings that come along that, that you learn from, you know. Hi, thanks for sharing. Um, thanks. 
Do you ever struggle with taking something, getting enough sleep? And so all the time. Well, sometimes, and it's maybe a part of getting, you know, I'm usually up late, like 12 to 1 a.m., something like that. And I just, the wonderful thing is then I'm going to have to go to work every day and be somewhere and set an alarm. The first few times I didn't have to have an alarm set. I was so excited, you know. Um, and I discovered I get up around 7 to 8 o'clock. So I figure that's the normal sleep that I need because it's not an alarm waking me up. Six or seven hours, usually I do that. Once in a while I'm up later, or somebody's I'm doing work at home, which we shouldn't do before bed on the computer, and not always. Um, and then sometimes I'll say, I can't do that. I'm too tired. I've sent emails late at night. It's a bad idea. Really bad. So sometimes I'll write them. I just don't hit send. Just don't, don't hit send. And in the morning, <laughs> once, a million years ago, I read something. I thought, this is gibberish. <laughs> so I, I remember that years ago. So now, and sometimes in the morning it might look fine. Or it might not, but I know that I have to let it sit. And it's probably like life, like a lot of things, the calls you want to make, that, you know, in the throes of anger or irritation or something, just don't do it right now. So basically, it's like running your life, you know. Normally, it's six to seven hours, it's fine. And once in a great while, if for some reason I have to be up later, I just don't do that if I don't have to. Because I know we need that much. And I'm hearing more and more about sleep and food. And if you don't sleep enough, you're going to get fat. And <laughs> I thought it was eating too much food, but, you know, maybe it's not getting enough sleep. It makes you too tired and you're weak and you can't resist the food. You know, there's another theory every day. So you just have to pick what makes sense to you, I think. Thanks. Well, starting when I was 10 and I had the back pains and I was in school and coming down on the food helped a whole lot. There was one period of my life where I would get these awful back pains and I know it was when I would put on weight and then I would take it off some and they would go away. Um, over the years, yeah, I'm sure I can't walk. I don't have the endurance that I would have otherwise carrying the extra weight around. And I'm going now... I've learned that it really was true all the years I was working full time and crazy hours and all. I didn't go to the gym because I didn't have time and I thought it was bullshit. But now I have time and I go. I'm like three times a week and then once a week with water aerobics and stuff. And for a year I had a knee thing before I could get knee surgery and all I could do was water aerobics, which is great because they don't hurt any part of your body. Um, so I still do that and I still do the other exercise things. Sure, I would be, but I've never been particularly, I can't ride a bicycle. You know, I just, I've tried over the years now and again, and I fall over. And a few, every few years, someone says, let's try again. Okay, I fall over. It's like a balance, an equilibrium, whatever it is. It's not worth it to me to get crazy and get cured and figure out how can I ride a bicycle. I look at people and these tiny little wheels, it's a marvel to me that they can do that, you know. But I, I don't. So, yeah, there are some things that I don't do, but... Um, I've never been exceptionally, I do do a lot of stretching and moving and just when you get up in the morning and you feel so much better on those days, it doesn't have to be a whole production, you know, even if it's 10 minutes of stretching and moving and, and I want to ask what you do to stretch, but it's, oh, it's my turn. <laughs> um, you just have to do something to like acknowledge your body, that it's there and it just makes it so much better for the rest of the day and, and what I can't do, I can't, you know, it's okay, I've been um, hot air ballooning, I've done... Like all kinds, well, that's not very athletic. <laughs> Just sort of being up here. <laughs> I did a half marathon about 10 years ago. Very proud, happy I did it. Never do it again, but I'm glad I did, you know. We do 5Ks. 5Ks are easy, you know. 
But everything would be easier if you're carrying less, you know? So, yeah. Hand. Thank you, plays a lot partly because sometimes with our self-esteem issues if it's just for ourselves to get to a meeting no nah, I don't think so but when you have a commitment and you have to be there for other people you show up you know and hopefully a little bit early because I learned now like 8.30 means 8.20 be there and be ready to do it and so it helps you with your program I don't want to hear that I'm doing it for you I'm doing it for me and just we have to remember that it's to keep ourselves active and involved in the program and to begin with when I first became a delegate sometimes you're at meetings and you hear things that sounds stupid why are they doing that you become a delegate you get involved and you find out and very often you don't have any better idea either you know that things are done for a reason so I like to get behind the scenes and to see what's really going on open the curtain you know it's a great thing to do anything above I mean local level meetings is great but also to be a delegate and then a little bit maybe to get on the board I'm laughing but it really is a great thing to do and to be involved in and to really give you a sense of what's going on and by the way I'm sure you will know at 10 a.m. there's a workshop in Brentwood Presbyterian Church it's doctor's opinion so anyone can go we'll see you there it should be really interesting um, but that's why because it's nice to be a part of the family It depends on the situation. Sometimes it'll be sitting down, writing it out, shut it off. Oh, goodness. It means writing it down, turning it over. But it always will mean take a beat. And sometimes it's just talking. God, here's the situation. I said this, should I do this? Sometimes it's being to make a decision. Should I go this way? Should I go that way? And sometimes you're at a point where you're beyond deciding. Sometimes calling your sponsor. Who sometimes will say, well, you, it's totally, there's no right or wrong. Is this way or that way? And you have to think. And you'll pray to God. And I swear to God, sometimes you feel like something will happen that is totally, one of my favorite sayings is, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Something will happen that will make it so clear, nothing that you did, I mean, if that's not God, you know, what is. It just, it's just either of those, I write it. Or I just say it and I stop. And the important thing is to then stop a minute. And I tend to be more of an action person. Okay, what am I going to do? Nothing. Sometimes you just say it and turn it over and let it go. Letting it go is the hardest part. See, But I can't because I want to... And it was, I'm not a control freak. I don't have to be in control, but somebody has to be in control. I just get nervous when it's like anarchy. Like nobody's in control. I don't care if it's me or somebody else. But And God would be ideal, you know? Which always is the case, I guess. But it's just taking that beat is probably the most important thing. Not jumping in like you must take action. You know, sometimes you just got to give it a minute, you know. So that's, that's it. I would be dead without a sense of humor. I mean, as you see, you could understand, without sense of humor, how could we live in this world, you know? I mean, how could we survive without being able to laugh at things? And sometimes I don't see it right away. Sometimes I might be very angry and very pissed off about something. And you can see, oh my God. It's so patently absurd. You have to laugh. I mean, you just have to, you know? And, and there are tragedies and there are things where, yeah, you don't laugh. But as a rule... Without a sense of humor, I don't know how you get through life, you know, without being able to just, oh, this is so stupid. And maybe I can't control it or I can't fix it or whatever, but um, you have to. It's essential.
sense of humor. Yeah. Actually, not in terms of, of things like alcohol. Thank God I get drunk after two drinks. I'm sloppy and throwing up. So I was spared from becoming an alcoholic. I never got to enjoy it. I haven't been to other substances or anything, you know. Um, but now I'm starting to become like a compulsive reader. Can you believe? I'm in a book club for like 10 years and I love it. And because we're reading our book and then I start reading other books. And I love going back to the public library, which I hadn't done for so long. I forgot about it. It's wonderful. And now you can do books on Kindle from the library. I mean, there were just so many others. And I'll say, I can't be reading this book. And I have to do, ah, 20 minutes. Then it's half an hour. And I'll say, okay. And sometimes, that's God's will. The phone will ring. It's one of these stupid settings from Wyndham or Married or somebody. But it's got me up. It made me stop reading. I can't tell you how often that happens. It's like, it's a miracle. You know? Miracles do happen. So, so, um, and you know, we have our tools, our nine tools, and all those wonderful things to do so that we're not eating. Let's fill the time or get us through. It's a sponsor, it's the phone calls, the meetings, reading, reading, reading. I mean, all of those things are there. We just have to do it. We just have to. Sometimes we don't feel like it. We're not always, you know, we're not perfect. But most of the time, we do. Because, like, they're there for us. So, yeah. Five minutes more? Yeah. Okay, well, it's kind of out of my hands. It's up to you guys. <laughs> I'm just sitting here, you know. Um, I could tell stories or something. I think I probably won't. Because um, I figure if there are no questions, then we're meant to move on. We only have a few minutes left. You've got secretary's announcements and things to do. Uh, <laughs> oh, hi. Uh, yeah, sorry. Quick question. Yes, my routine. I do basically three meals a day. Sometimes if it's going to be a very long day, I'll take something with me. Like if I'm, very often now, I don't have breakfast even. I'll start doing stuff. <coughs> the computer can be a curse or a savior. Things that I want to get done or whatever. It's 9 o'clock already. I'm just having breakfast. So I'll say, well, I don't need lunch till 2 or 3 o'clock. And then what I'll do is kind of make that the main meal of the day, which socially you can't always do if you're going out for dinner. But it's much healthier. There's all that stuff at the pyramid, you know. Eat the most earliest to work it off. So I'll have, maybe I'll have, uh, the other day I had broiled salmon. I bought a cabbage. I thought it was a cauliflower. It was wrapped up. But, and I was going to do the smashed cauliflower, but it opened up and it was a cabbage. I started peeling the leaves. I said, where's the cauliflower? <laughs> but it turned out it was fine because I did like pork chop. And the, the uh, cabbage cut up and stuff. Sometimes I'll have either a piece. I don't eat bread. I eat things that taste like cardboard. Matzah, pizza, tortillas, things like thin that don't have the yeast because I learned years ago that yeast is sugar. And that's why I can't have like a piece of challah because I'm in the loaf, you know. I just can't do that. Any kinds of breads that have that stuff. But the crusts and all that, I mean, they're tasteless. It's something to chew on if you want to push food around or something, you know. But I mean, really little bits. Of, so I'll have that. So that's what I had for lunch. Then later for dinner, I was out, so I didn't have dinner until like 8.30 or so. And I just had a salad, and I put some, <clears throat> there's the turkey pepperoni, which I'll never get again, but it's not so good. But just to have some protein in it, a salad of protein, a little piece of cheese, stuff like that. And then I'll have fruit. I have fruit twice a day is kind of my rule. Sometimes I'll have it at breakfast. I have a power shake sometimes with a banana in it, maybe strawberries. And that's a meal. And that's fine, you know, with the protein powder. Um, sometimes I'll have um, like a burger with cheese and vegetables 
Um, so all different kinds of recipe things. But then when it's a very long day, like if I'm going out at 5 and I know I won't be able to eat till night, I'll have a power bar or like fruits and nuts. Or traveling is a big thing. Because I have to remember there are 24 hours in the day, no matter what time zone you're in or anything, it's still the same meals. And so I adapt. I mean, I don't want to be like rigid. But sometimes I'll have like my salad from the meal and later on have the entree because I know it's a long day. And I think what counts is how much you put in your body for the day, not how you break it up. Some do five meals a day. So whatever your physical or your doctor says to do, you know. But it's the total amount that's real important. So... Traveling, you just adapt. You know the schedule, you know the flights, where you'll be when, the time here, the time there. And, and you end up having the same amount of meals, really. They're just spaced out differently. And sometimes breaking a meal in half, you know. Or if I'm at a buffet, my rule is generally the salad, the entree, dessert, if there is one. So you go, can go three times up to the plate. That's the fun part. You get up there three times and cruise. And it's become easier over the years because the stuff I don't have, it's like I don't see it. I don't know it's there, the, all the desserts and stuff. So it makes it a whole lot easier. I've just been fortunate in not having that craving that I used to have before. Of It's pretty. It's like a picture is pretty. Like a painting is pretty. Am I going to eat it? No. So they're just pretty things that shouldn't be touched. Because it's pretty, you know. I think we should move on. Agree? Okay. Thank you.